Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. All right, Betsy, so as we're speaking, we're at the beginning of February 2024. The legislature not quite in session yet for the short session, but lots of things going on regardless. So you've been through several of these little sessions, short sessions. Tell the folks what you imagine is going to be coming in terms of process and all that sort of thing. Sure. Let me jump up 100,000 feet as I am want to do and talk about the short session just briefly. When the short session was first uh, put forward and then ratified by the voters of Oregon, the idea was that it was supposed to check agency uh, budgets against legislatively approved budgets. It was supposed to track agency performance. It was supposed to do those things that the federal government had foisted upon states that had to be acted upon immediately. It was to pay our fire bills. It was to tee up the conversation for the next long session because Oregon has a long session in the odd numbered years and this abomination of a short session in the even numbered years. It was never, never designed to be a second bite at the apple for all the crappy ideas that didn't make it through the preceding long session, nor was it designed to deal with big issues that were anything but an emergency. So they will come in on February the 5th, they will end on March the 10th, and the big emergency, and I do agree it is emergency that they are going to deal with, is the legislature's attempt to redo ballot measure 110. And ballot measure 110, just to remind people, was passed by the voters of Oregon, I think, under the fiction that it was going to be a more humane way to treat drug abusers than throwing them in jail. Data would demonstrate that nobody in Oregon gets thrown in jail for possession of a controlled substance. Um, I mean, not all that long ago, there was a report that there were no people serving in Multnomah County, uh, uh, no people serving in from Washington County, and three from Clackamas. And so this mythology that, uh, that uh, any effort to change ballot measure 110 is uh, to just put black and brown people in jail and to re-engage in the war on drugs, which was an appalling failure. And any step back to, to incentivize more people getting into more treatment faster is really a nefarious assault on on people that are sick and that this is a mental health and a, and a public health crisis, not an addiction crisis. Well, the problem is that we now have discovered that this laissez-faire attitude towards drugs has absolutely destroyed San Francisco and that Oregon is headed down the same path. Our sidewalks are littered with tents, mentally ill and drug addicted people often co-occurring in the same individual. Uh, it's dangerous, it's filthy. And um, and unless the legislature steps up and does something, this will continue to deteriorate Oregon's livability, reputation, and people are going to die. And so now it rests on the shoulders of the legislature, those intrepid folks down in Salem, to fix this mess. And um, we are reaching out. I'm part of a group that is acting, asking the legislature to act. 
and to put a stick along with the carrot of people are not that are addicted or mentally ill or both are not in a position to make the best decisions about their own health care. So we're trying to set up a framework that actually gives them the opportunity to avoid jail, get into treatment. If they are successful, there is no blight on their record. And um, and we're fighting the legislature while the governor is and the, uh, the mayor of Portland and the chair of the county commission in Oregon's largest county are announcing a couple of days ago a fentanyl crisis. Well, where the hell have they been for the last three years? So um, Oregon is now clearly rethinking our drug decriminalization. We're being fought by national organizations that have turned Oregon into a Petri dish to experiment with the notion of, you know, personal autonomy. I can stick any substance in my own body anytime and anywhere I want to. Uh, and and we're we're fighting back hard to try to get uh, Oregon back on a path of sanity that would um, try to make personal possession a misdemeanor crime and to, to recriminalize it, that those people that nationally have supported totally decriminalizing drugs are going to fight like tigers to preserve their beachhead. So there's a bill that's going to be in front of the legislature here shortly. Have you seen it yet? Have you looked and, and had an idea what's in it? Well, that's part of the problem is that so much of what's going on is happening behind closed doors and it runs counter to the narrative down in Salem. We're transparent, we're open, everything is cool. Anybody can tap in to see whatever is going on. As of last Wednesday, um, this is now Thursday, Friday, and then the session opens on Monday, the bills had not been made public. And consequently, interest groups and lobbyists and Oregonians hadn't had the chance to to look at the bills. Already, the political reactions are completely predictable. Um, but the um, much of the work on the bills are being done behind closed doors. There is a dope committee. It is I shouldn't call it that. It is a joint interim committee on addiction and community safety response. That is a bipartisan, bicameral. So there's a House chair, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Cruff, Representative Cruff from over in Bend, and Senator Lieber from Portland. And this committee has met four times to hear from drug policy experts. And I use that advisedly. In my observation of the committee, the testimony has been completely lopsided and has very much been the pro-drug guys, including inexplicably a woman named Morgan Godman, who has now emerged as sort of a knowledgeable guru on all things drugged. But the committee has met and um, uh, they're dealing in kind of hypotheticals with uh, precious little talk about the actual language for the eventual uh, legislation. And in a complicated area like this, trying to separate the political mythology from what's actually happening on the ground is very, very difficult. Uh, the co-chairs of the committee have had private conversations with quote unquote stakeholders 
but the stakeholders are uh, in the eye of the beholder. Um, I know in our effort to try to ask the legislature to recriminalize ballot measure uh, 110 uh, or the drugs that are subject to the ballot measure, uh, we've had variety of meetings with um, people that want the the 110 completely repealed, people that uh, subscribe to our theory, which is to save the good stuff in 110. And uh, for example, using cannabis revenues uh, to help fund treatment beds. Uh, the details are yet to come on what the, the committee uh, and ultimately the whole legislature are going to to see then what happens in the process is these sort of conceptual ideas roll down to an office in the Capitol called legislative council and those lawyers that are adept at writing bill language finalize the wording of what the actual legislation that the legislators will vote on it will look like and they'll be able to see it once that language is revealed to the public, then folks uh, across the spectrum of ish of uh, of interest will be able to say what uh, what works and what doesn't work. Um, hanging over this whole discussion is the question of whether or not the Republicans will stay in the building. Inexplicably, the Supreme Court revealed their opinion. Uh, just before the start of the session, what was before the court was the question of whether or not Republican legislators who had missed 10 days of session service in the preceding long session were now disallowed from running for election again. This was a ballot measure that was passed, very poorly written. The court was being asked to interpret the language. The court, the Supreme Court of Oregon did interpret the language and in a unanimous opinion said that those 10 Republican legislators were going to be disallowed from running again. And so with the with the Republicans have nothing to lose at this point. The question is, do they walk out, uh, thereby depriving the majority Democrats of a legislative quorum to conduct business, meaning that nothing will happen? I don't know how a legislator, regardless of their party, could go back home to wherever they live because the drug problem and the homeless problem has metastasized to include all of Oregon, including very rural places, how any of those people could go home and say, I did nothing to mitigate the pernicious effects of drugs eating up our children, killing people on the streets. I just, I don't know how they can do it. I, I don't know how collaborative and cohesive this short session is going to be. They've got plenty of stuff to focus on, um, including taking a look at the state budget and see how the agencies are performing against legislative expectations. But the overarching issue is going to be ballot measure 110 and, and reforming it, fixing it. There will be, I'm sure, a bill to repeal it entirely. Um, and so with the D's in the majority, um, I I, uh, I don't believe that a total repeal will ever make it through the legislative session. And interestingly enough, and I'll conclude with this comment, I sat on a stage with a woman named Christine Drazen and our current governor, Tina Kotek, uh, and I was the third, uh, when we were all running for governor. Uh, Johnson and Drazen wanted ballot measure 110 repealed. 
Kotech firmly said it was a good policy and just needed more time to work. She has now indicated that if a bill causing recriminalization comes to her desk, that she will sign it. So I use that as an example, not to criticize her so much um, as to say public sentiment about the, our uh, Oregon's laissez-faire attitude towards drugs is turning dramatically. And in polling that our group has done, we have the public behind us so solidly that something, something needs to be done to, to repair, fix and repair ballot measure 110. Bills that are kept secret until the last possible minute. But what's the reasoning behind that? I've asked you this before in previous legislative sessions years ago now, but I, I never did understand why you would do that. I guess to, you know, you know, it's going to be controversial. Are you trying to, I don't know, stake out a position that way or what's the thinking? I don't know because I've always made my bills uh, available when I was a legislator. The bills, because they are written by legislative counsel, who are the lawyers for the legislature, they benefit from attorney-client privilege. And so the individual legislator has to say, yes, I will make my bill draft available um, for public review prior to it making it to a committee. I think some people think they gain some sneaky advantage by doing that, by keeping it secret. I, I don't honestly know. Uh, the, the complicating factor is that in the short session of the Oregon legislature, because it is physically of very short duration, big bills will only get maybe a maximum of two hearings in whichever chamber they originate. And so um, uh, maybe what the authors that are trying to keep this stuff secret, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're still working, they're still negotiating and they don't have a finished product to show the public, I'll say, on the other hand, the sneakiness may be um, contemplated to keep the amount of debate and amendment to a minimum. I don't want to, it's not my job to ascribe motives to people, but I don't know why with all the time that everybody's had, and it's been no secret that Oregonians are fed up with the open drug abuse in, in the streets of our cities, it's been no secret that Oregonians are pissed. And so I would expect a little bit more effort to, to try to get a product that the different interest groups, and by that I mean the criminal defense lawyers, the DAs, the the um, the pro-drug guys, the, the, uh, the guys that want to make it a felony again, get rid, everybody is going to have an opinion about this. And um, Having, I think, more informed opinion might create a better piece of legislation than the ill-conceived, stupidly written ballot measure that got sold to Oregonians because they weren't paying attention as treatment and is actually uh, has an enabling element to it that is, I believe, foundational in the rampant drug abuse in this state. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.